With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We've got a good show for everybody today. We're going to be breaking the Vegas lane early in the podcast, get a little Golden Knights talk, looking back at a pretty solid week in Knights hockey. We're going to... Go around the league a little bit, look at uh, some teams out east that many people expected at the start of the season to be front runners who aren't really where, where they should be. Um, are they in danger of missing the playoffs or not? Maybe so. We'll get into that. And then we'll welcome in Chris Watzel, who writes for Dauber Hockey and the Sporting News, and he's also a host of Fantasy Hockey X and the program, and we're going to focus on the New Jersey Devils with him. So we've got a real good show for everybody this week. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hockey fans around the world, thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning. We appreciate having everybody on board. I'd like to welcome in my esteemed co-host, Chris Lisa, out on Long Island. He writes for Isles' website, covers the Islanders for them like no other. Uh, Chris, good day to you, sir, and a belated happy Thanksgiving for you. I take it you had a good day, sir? Yes, I did. Back at you, my friend, and I'm in a chipper mood. My two favorite hockey teams uh, both won 5-4 five, four, five four in overtime yesterday, so... Very happy not to shabby, see that. Shabby, though. Yeah. What What's your second favorite hockey team, just for the record? Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, all right. I like that. I like that. We've got you. Uh, we've got you as a as a one A and one B now. I like it. Well, let's take let's take it easy here. <laughs> Maybe a one and a two. How about that? We'll start. Yeah, we'll start that's, there. That's, We'll start. We'll, we'll no, you start know what? There's a lot of teams, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people around uh, that that uh, are jumping on to the Vegas Golden Knights bandwagon, and they oh. while they maintain their allegiance to uh, you know their home team and what have you, Vegas seems to be like you know they're one. The, I, they said that that they were the fastest selling jersey in sports, so that tells me there's wow. a lot of people. Uh, taking a look at the Vegas Golden Knights and, and adopting them as their second team. And that's okay. We appreciate that. Um, speaking of the Golden Knights, we'll head down to Vegas Lane first this week, give everybody their their portion of Vegas Golden Knights Hockey Talk, since this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, going back through the week, a pretty solid week all around. We're going to touch on um, a little bit of, of what happened with Timo Meyer and David Perron last night. I'm not a fan of that play. Um, hopefully Perron is going to be okay and not miss any time, but he did return to the game after that hit. But just uh, that, as Chris said, 5-4 winners in overtime last night. What, uh, As far as the weekend review goes for the Vegas Golden Knights, not uh, 
not too shabby a week for a team that, that's supposed to have the bubble pop and come back down to earth, huh? Take over first place, beat the Kings, uh, I, beat the Ducks. I am a, I am a, beat the yeah, Sharks. And the Sharks. I am a, I am amazed. I mean, I, you know, I'm waiting. You know, they really bounced back well. They had, you know, a difficult uh, six-game East Coast road trip. I mean, they had to play a couple tough teams like the Islanders, so I can't blame them. But uh, they had a difficult East Coast road trip. They, <laughs> they were obviously in most games, um, you know, and they've come back and uh, and it's not like they've gotten Flurry back. And Subban nope. has yet to get in between the pipes. Uh, maybe you'll see him. Uh, he played last back. night. He did play last night. Oh, I thought it was he the got game. In for the third period. Nah, he started playing. Oh, we, two. oh, oh. They said he oh, was. Oh, okay. They said he My wasn't bad. feeling good, but he did. Subban did make his first appearance since his injury last night in the third period, stopping three shots. Um, that's all he faced from the San Jose Sharks in the third period. So um, they did and shut it a, down after what, kind of a shaky second. Right. What a what a uh, week for William Carlson. I mean, look, when, yeah, when how he about was it, huh? a guy that I, uh, I figured was going to be on the exposed list, and then they made that trade, which included him, I said, you know, this is a really nice pickup. He's not, I did not expect him, you know, to be a sore or a, a breakout offensive kind of player. But he's a guy who's who is going to be on this team. Uh, he's a young guy. I think he's like 23, 24. The next few years, a two-way player, maybe pop in 15 goals, and he can play center. He can play wing. He's great on the PK. He's just a good all-around player. Well. He's doing all that, and he's scoring. I mean, he's got 12 – he leads the team. He's got 12 goals. He's got 20 points. Um, what a – what a, and that was just part of the package that they got uh, by making that deal with Columbus. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, too, is – and we'll save this uh, topic for uh, next week when we have Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey on, uh, go through all the different trade rumors and – what to expect between now and the deadline. But you look at the next three scores, Vegas, Marcheseau, who had the game winner in overtime last night, and then obviously Neil and Perron, and three three of those four guys are unrestricted free agents between now and the end of the year. So, uh, But William Carlson, boy, oh, boy, he, he's doing everything uh, else that I, I mentioned, being uh, 200-foot players, they like to say, and scoring as well, which, by the way, makes you an impact player. So uh, what a start he's off to. Yeah, for sure. I will say that when we were doing our mock draft back in uh, April, May, uh, William Carlson was uh, my choice. One of mm-hmm. only two, that I think, that I got right um, in our mock draft to to come over to the Golden Knights. The other one I got, I had Braden McNabb coming over, and he's been a real nice piece for the Golden Knights as well. He's in the game against the Kings, he laid Dowdy out and he laid Brownie out as they were coming down the wall, and they, they had to know it was coming because that's his forte is wiping people out at the blue line there. So um, it's funny before the game, he had said that if there was anybody on the Kings that he might want to put a little extra whooping on, it'd be Dowdy uh, just because Dowdy chirps a lot. And, and he said, it'd be fun to get a nice piece of Drew. So uh, he got that. And then he took Brownie on as a little extra icing on the cake, if you will. But William Carlson, um, you know, he was drafted to to be more of a skill player, and he was stuck in the log jam at, uh, at forwards there in Columbus. Yep. So um, 
playing fourth line minutes with fourth line wingers. Um, when you look at where he is now, centering that that um, Neil Perron line, excuse me, um, and and getting those first line minutes, he's you know he had he's got the opportunity, he's got talent around him, and he's taking advantage of it. He's really um, I don't want to say blossoming, but finally getting a chance to show what he's able to do, and that kind of goes down the board with. Um, a lot of the other players on the ice for the Golden Knights is that with opportunity and um, that desire to prove yourself uh, from where you had been pigeonholed to where where the opportunity presents itself now. I mean, if you look, you've got Halla, who was kind of log jammed in Minnesota, centering the Marsha Show Riley line. That line has some great chemistry. Uh, Riley's playing in all situations and having a bang up year. Um, that people were starting to think that his contract was overvalued, and he's proving that it's not. Um, Marshall is obviously on his his. Oh man, um, to pick up Riley and Marshall and get them playing together with Hall, and then um, Cody Eakin. Uh, who our friend Matt Pryor said was going to be a very solid face-off guy, a good two-way player, and be able to chip in and, and on offense as necessary. Um, they brought Leipzig up, who was the pickup from Toronto, and he brings a lot of speed to that line. Um, and then when you go Nosek, Belmar, and Carrier on that fourth line, um, I, I was listening to the radio this week, and, and Brian Blessing on Sportsbook Radio, who does the base hockey hotline show for him. Um, he said this this group doesn't have what you would want to call a, a number one line. But when you look at how they're playing, you could make a real good case that, that any of the lines would be a solid two line. So you've got three number two lines, if you will, and, and a fourth line that could be playing third line on a lot of different teams in their rotation. So if you go with three number twos and a number three, that's kind of the recipe for why they are the first place team in the Pacific division right now. And, you know, they come out and work like a bunch of guys that want to, want to prove they belong and are able to contribute at, at the national hockey league level. And well, I would I say the Colson Neil Perron line is playing like a number one line. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially in the last week, I, I I'm looking for Carlson to, to get the number one star of the week for the NHL. I, I'm not, <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not sure he's having a better week than him right now. He's got to be at least in the top three, and I'm looking for number one star for Mr. Carlson. Getting to uh, Perron, I don't know if you did see the the play. I did not. With Timo Meyer. So so the puck's in the corner, and Perron skating from the left circle to the right circle, angled toward the corner, if you will, coming from the top of the left circle down towards the lower side of the right circle. Well, I, I will say he had his head down, and he was skating towards the corner, and Timo Meyer took one full stride and a glide, um, lowered his shoulder into his head, and oh. delivered a cheap shot to him with a puck 30 feet away, not out of the game. And, you know, it's it's tough because being the Kings fan and watching the Pacific Division, that's what happens when the Sharks get down and they get frustrated, and it's been their M.O. for at least 10 10 years now is that they start throwing cheap shots and that's, that's who the sharks are. And, and I, I, I tweeted that out last night and I got a lot of, I got a lot of reaction both ways to that tweet. 
but it, it's just a fact. They, they, you know, they were in a playoff game against the Kings, and Williams was coming down the wing, and they had one of their players stick their stick and play the puck from the bench and break up a two-on-one. Um, that's just who the Sharks are, and, and the the dirty shots that they put out. I mean, they had Rafi Torres uh, on their Zach, roster. You know, enough said. Did, uh, did Zach Devine uh, uh, reach out to you in, in, in those tweets? Just curious. No, I did not see our buddy Zach Devine. Yeah, okay. And maybe next time we're on, we'll talk about that. But that is, I mean, and I've known that for a while. That's what you do to beat the San Jose Sharks is you get on them early, you frustrate them, they take cheap penalties. They, you get a power play. You capitalize on your power play to extend the lead. And that's how the Kings beat them when they were down 3 nothing uh, in the playoffs a few years back. Um, they maintained their composure, and the Sharks didn't. And you, we saw it again last right. night. Although I will give the Sharks credit. They hadn't scored more than two goals in their last nine games. And they were able to come back for from a 4-1 deficit yeah, and they tie can, the game up. They then, score. then they were only able to muster three shots on goal in the third period. And Vegas was able to get that game winner on Marshall show, driving the crease and jamming the puck in off, the, I believe, Thornton skate for the game winner. Uh, perfect 4-0 and in overtime for your Golden Knights this year. Um, Nice rescue, yeah, and, and the Sharks did did not muster a shot in overtime either. So for the last 25 minutes of the game, they had three total shots. So that's showing me Vegas is able to lock it down as well as the speed uh, attacking game that that everyone knows that they possess now. And it's an interesting next seven days for them because four games in the next seven days starting tonight, three of which are on the road. They go to Arizona tonight, who all of a sudden is. You know, starting to play a little bit better, yeah. starting to put some wins in the bank, uh, being a little feisty, and they do have young talent. And they come home for a game to play Dallas, which we'll mention in um, in uh, Breaking the Ice segment a little bit uh, at home. And then they go to Minnesota, who's played a little bit better and gotten people back. And Winnipeg, who they beat uh, recently, but, uh, you know, other than that, Pretty Winnipeg's handily. been, you know, like yeah, that. but Winnipeg's been take taking taking kicking butts and taking names. So next seven days, you know, not an easy schedule. Dallas has been awful on the road. We'll get into that in the next segment. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Three of the four nights on the road. Uh some quality teams there. It'll be interesting to see who's in goal tonight. Uh if Subban's uh still under the weather, if they go with him or if they go with uh Legace. And um so yeah, I mean, but look, I mean, it's been unbelievable. I mean, I am amazed. I am beyond uh, amazed that, and this is not like thinking like it would be awful, but you find me the person who thought in, in their first 21 games that the Knights would be 14-6-1. Find me that person and I'll call them a liar. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just, it's just like I said, it's just been, uh, we've yeah, no talked about it, how none of these players have played with one another, not to mention all the injuries of the goalie. I mean, if you told me well, before the important season thing. started, yeah, if you told me before the season started that uh, first 21 games, the Knights are going to go through four goalies, Lori was going to miss this amount of games, and said, look, you can put a $100 bet down, you can put it down on 14-6-1 or 6-14-1, well, which way do you think you I would have put the money down? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't think, it, even at... Three or four hundred to one. I don't think you would have had too many takers. And and just to 
small correction in the Edmonton game, Dylan Ferguson did come in and play the third period. The young 18-year-old right, he played a little Cam bit. Right. So five goaltenders in that first 21 games. Um, right, that was we, that game got out of that. That's probably one of the few bad yeah. games that they've had. Yeah. Absolutely, I think so, it's, uh, I think it's their worst 60 minutes of hockey. But if you look back at the yeah, schedule, no, like they're going said, through. They're going through the Pacific Division right now. They had the stinker against Edmonton. Then they beat Vancouver. They beat the Kings. Vancouver on the road. The Kings at home. They go on the road. Um, dominate an Anaheim squad, pretty much. And then come back home and beat the Sharks. So they're four out of their last five, four in a row, against Pacific Division opponents. Yeah. And in Arizona tonight to round up a, a six-game stretch in your division, um, if they can get the two points tonight and go five out of six against your division, that's that's five four-point games out of six in a row that the Knights were able to do. So that's that's a pretty solid stretch of hockey for any team, much less you know obviously an expansion team. That's that's pretty impressive. To, I'm going to be. And that's, I'm going to be really interested. Where you know obviously we we have a couple more shows. Uh, this is uh, we have this show, and then and next week with Lyle Rickson, as I mentioned, of Spectres Hockey, and then the final show of 2017, I think on the ninth. Uh, me, just me and you, going through all the divisions, and then we come back first Saturday in January. I'm going to be real interested to see where Vegas is at that point in time. I mean, they're definitely going to be very much deep in the conversation. The question is, you know, how deep? And like I said, it's going to be. Uh, it could wind up being. Uh, a, a conversation, an interesting situation that both George McPhee and Mr. Foley never probably dreamed of. Well, maybe Mr. Foley did, but anyhow, it's been incredible uh, start the season. So before we have Chris on in a few minutes, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, why don't we uh, why don't we do Dallas and Minnesota first, and then go Caps Pens, and then probably Chris will be ready. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the week, uh, I sent out to you saying, "Let's." Talk well, let me about let me get a, let me get a couple more points oh, on the Knights, Chris. When we get into oh, okay, December, sorry. they finally get yeah, just a couple more points. When we do get into December, um, I'm looking at the schedule now. They have seven out of the nine games at home, including wow. a five-game homestand to to take you wow. from the middle of the month down towards the end of the month. Um, wow. And then they wrap up on the road, Anaheim and LA, which isn't that bad of a travel spot. So given their home record right now, which tied the Toronto, uh, the Toronto franchises uh, home win streak for best all time. Um, and then you come home what's and their, you go. What's their home record? I believe now it's nine and one with eight straight. Um, okay. I know only there's only one team that. in the league. I know there's only one team in the league that has not lost in regulation at home yet. Who is that? Oh, that would be the New York Islanders. Oh, okay. Well, they uh, they're also eleven and one against the Western Conference. So as I was saying wow. earlier, they they go through their division uh, six straight games, and if they can get the one tonight, winning five of those six four point games. And also eleven and one against the West. Um, I, I don't. That speaks for itself. And I, we we were on the NHL on the Ice podcast, your other podcast with John Ames. 
and Brian Yates uh, Sunday night last week. And you asked me the question of whether, you know, they, and you and you just did mention that I wanted to follow up on that before we move on, um, what they're going to do at the trade deadline. And Mr. Foley gave an interview to uh, Shane Knighty, uh, Dave Lawless, on their official Golden Knights podcast this week. But it was interesting. They they brought that question up to him, and, and Mr. Foley said that um, it's basically George's call, but as of right what? now, George is not planning on making any trades unless it makes the team better. So that shifts a little bit of the Golden Knights philosophy from... Well, um, what does that mean? You obviously... Could be, it could make you better better for the long term. You know, that... that the, the way I took that. it and the, and, and the way the conversation was going, I, I took it to mean that as of right now, obviously once we get closer to the trade deadline, um, people are going to be calling right. for Neil and Perron. And it'll be very interesting to see if either of those guys re-up around Christmas time, January. Almost half their roster are, are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents. So they're not they can't they're not in a position where they can let a guy walk. Forget about letting for a guy walk and not getting anything for him. Forget about that part of it. They don't. I mean, they don't have the play. I mean, you know, the farm system is brand new. They don't have many guys, you know, knocking on. You know what I'm saying? They're knocking on the door. They, they're yeah. they can't afford to have certain guy, you know, a number of guys walk out the door. So, um, will be like you said, interesting to see how that all plays out. But we still have some time how that how that goes. Um, uh, are I we, think this are, team is going to force their hand. Yeah. The other the other thing well, is good. that you got to be very careful what you do to that room right now because this. That's a tight knit group right now. They've come together very quickly, and you know to pull. Uh, James Neal's one of the leaders on the team. Dave Prawn's one of the. Leaders. I think you've got twenty three leaders on this squad. To be honest with you, but I you got to be very careful what you do to that room right now. Uh, the chemistry. No, I, I'm not saying the, I'm not the saying the human element everybody, is tough. But, right, but I'm just saying the reality. I mean, especially with the years that Neal and Perron are having, uh, and Marcheseau. I mean. If they keep this up, Gotta they would do very well in the free agent. Do very well in the free agent market. So uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm sure they would love they would love to stay and want to stay, but I don't know if they're going to be, you know, uh, giving up, you know, thirty forty percent of their potential contract to stay. It's, it's something uh, no, to for think sure. about. It's an interesting interview. Market. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So uh, give it a listen. So real give quick, it a listen we, from. Cause we, yep. Because Chris Moving on. So, what are we uh, What are we looking at out east there, sir? It's cl- much closer in, to your heart. What uh, What did you want to look at out in the east as as we go around the league here? Well, the Caps and the Pens. You know, it's funny. At the beginning of the week, I said, "Let's talk about the Caps," and they've won two in a row, including a a good win at home yesterday against Tampa. But, uh, you know, the Capitals are in, they're both right there in the mix, but they've both also played a couple more games than everyone else in the East, such as the Islanders and the Devils and the Blue Jackets. And, you know, the Caps are uh, 27 points, three games over 500, and the Penguins are 25 points and just one game over 500. The thing that uh, – there's a couple concerning things about each team that I'll throw out to you get your response is the the Capitals are three games over, 
And they are getting a lot of production from their top guys. It's not like, well, once Ovechkin gets going or when Oshie gets going or Knetsedev gets going. No, Knetsedev leads the team in scoring. Ovechkin has scored 15 goals. Oshie scored 10 goals. Okay, uh, Carlson and, uh, and Backstrom have 18 and 17 points each. While Holpe's goals against average is a little high, it's not his fault. It's got a 920 save percentage. So the the only guy of their big guys who have really yet to get going, and he just and that's because he came back from his injury, is Niskanen. So that <laughs> to get that much production out of their top guys and just be a little bit over 500, that is something that you kind of makes you go hmm. And they literally have no cap space. I think according to cap friendly, cap friendly they are like $20,000 under the cap. I mean, literally. So that is something. <laughs> and then in terms, of, in terms of the Penguins, now the Penguins, some of their numbers are a bit skewed because the Penguins have had three blowout losses this year. They've lost 10-1 to to the Blackhawks, and they've lost 7-1 twice to Tampa and Winnipeg. So you got to keep that in mind. Sometimes numbers can lie a little bit. But having said that, Cindy Crosby is a minus 12. Chris Tang's a minus 16. Uh, obviously, the backup goalie situation has been really bad, but Matt Murray hasn't been great. Now, part of that's probably the play in front of him. Um, so, you know, they've lost two in a row. They don't have a lot of camp space as well. A little bit there, I think about a million under the cap. Uh, Malkin is currently out with an upper body injury. Uh, obviously, this is a team that, that's won the Stanley Cup the last two years. They've run the gauntlet, but, you know, that's not going away. I mean, it's not like they're going to get the month of December off, catch their breath, and be fine from there there on out. Now, you know, you might say, well, they'll kind of get it going, you know, these two teams. You know, if these two teams were in the Atlantic division, I would kind of agree with you. The Metro, and I'm not just, you know, banging the drum uh, for the Metro division. Metro division is tough. I mean, the worst team in the division right now is the Flyers, and they're a pretty competitive team. Now, I don't expect the Flyers to make the playoffs, but the Flyers aren't going to finish the year with 70 points. They're going to finish the year with, you know, probably 85, 87 points, somewhere in that range. Uh, they're a competitive team, and if the Devils, who are the big surprise, which we'll go through with Chris in a couple of minutes, uh, if the Devils uh, are going to hang around, I mean, this division is is just deep, top to bottom, so... It is possible. I mean, it's, I mean, if I, as crazy as it sounds, I said at the beginning of the year, and a, a few people kind of looked at me strange, saying that the Penguins and the Caps, it's possible that they could wind up in a, one of them could wind up in a wild card spot, while the other winds up in the top three. I got to tell you, it's not out of the realm that that one of them could miss the playoffs. If not, dare I say, both. As crazy as that sounds. Right now, looking at it, Pittsburgh's out of a playoff spot, and Washington is in the first wild card, one point ahead of the Rangers, who I have in the playoffs. Um, and looking like down the list, um, Ottawa slid back. They've come back to earth a little bit. They're they're uh, out of the playoffs. Montreal is still a negative 26 goal differential for Montreal. That's oh. that's surprising to me. 
Um, I, we knew they were going to struggle on offense, but um, with Carey Price, you just when you look at that, that number stands out to me. If I'm, what I'm trying to do is find a team that's going to jump up and push either Washington or Pittsburgh down. <clears throat> um, Washington's points in front of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's one point in front of Detroit, but then there's three points back to Carolina and Ottawa and Philly. I, I, it's tough to call right now. I'd like to get yeah, – and, and speaking of Matt Pryor again, he has that playoff system. He's got that is uh, 90% after you reach the halfway point of the season. Um, I think it's 20 I, games. I, I'd really like – is it? So so right now he could hit – he could tell us right now. Um, I think he – I think that's what he uh, – Washington or in uh, memory serves good. I mean, the thing is, like I said, both teams have a bit of issues. They don't have the depth that they've had, especially Washington. I mean, they, uh, I mean, they lost a lot of players, and basically so they filled those, yeah, and they refilled those gaps with with homegrown guys who have some talent and kind of veteran third and fourth liner guys. I mean, like they couldn't even afford to bring back Daniel Winnick to put it in perspective. So, I mean, they lost Justin Williams, they lost Shattenkirk, they lost. Uh, who else they lost? So they lost three blue liners. They lost Olsner. Uh, you know, they they lost Nate Schmidt. I mean, and Phil Corbauer, who was so good last year, has really had a rough start. I mean, I still think he's he's a solid, good young goalie, but he's off to a rough start, so they're going to have to get that going. But, uh, yeah, they've been very up and down. And like I said, they're getting huge performances. I mean, you know, Ovechkin has he's got 15 goals. In, in 24 games, I mean, and and they're slightly above 500. TJ Oshie's got to, so it's, like I said, I mean, odds are those guys as good as they are are going to level off a little bit, and they, they you know they need those guys almost every night. Let me throw this at you though. Uh, early early in the season, I think in the first five games, Ovi had two hat tricks. So if you take the six of his 15 goals out of the equation which you can't do, obviously, but a lot of those 15 Phil, goals were front-loaded. Nine, nine yeah, goals in 24 Phil, games other than that. 23 games, yeah. That's still, no, nine goals in 23 games is still pretty good production, you know what no, I mean? No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, again, um, good it, win yeah, last I, night. Think this, I think Washington – I think it's going to come – If we were going to do risers and fallers this week, I would have Capitals on my rising. They've had a good week. They've got themselves back into a playoff spot and look to right in the yeah, ship. I'm still yeah, worried. Yeah, but Pittsburgh. you know what's been funny? You know what's funny about Washington is uh, that what they've done this season is they'll have like a big win, like like they did last night in Tampa, and then and then they'll, they'll like they, but they've lost in Buffalo. Uh, I mean, so they've had some really good wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like true. last week, last week they got blown, they got killed in Colorado. I thought these teams, Colorado or Buffalo, are bad teams per se, uh, but. Buffalo has, you been. know, so they've been, they've been playing better. They've been very up and down. Those uh, Washington has. That's true. That's true. Well, Chris is on the line. Chris and Chris. There we go. So l- let me let me welcome in Mr. Watzell. Um, he writes for a number of different publications. I'll let him run down the litany of of who he writes for. Um, Dauber Do- hockey and. Sporting news. 
And our own Russ Cohen Sportsology. And our own Russ Cohen Sportsology, which we're glad to partner on as he carries our podcast on the Sportsology page. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, Good afternoon, boys. Thank you for spending time out of your Saturday coming in and uh, giving us a little bit of insight. We wanted to bring you in because uh, you're you're deep in the New Jersey Devils, and they've been off to a great start. They did just get bumped back by a point, I believe, down into If I'm looking at this correctly this morning, I'm still out west. I'm still drinking a little bit of coffee, but it looks like Columbus did just bump past them by a point last night um, with a game in hand, though. So what's been what's been the key to the New Jersey Devils' success at the quarter pole in the 2017-18 season? I guess the meanest thing, meanest way to say this, guys, is Travis Dajak wasn't in the lineup for most of it. Um, <laughs> it it's unfortunate to say these types of Zing. things. But, but – for the, for the lack of a better term, his injury opened the door for, for Nico Hishier to be in the lineup on the top line with with a playmaker like Taylor Hall. Uh, basically, Hall, when you look at when you look at some of the league leaders out there, yeah, he may not have the most most points, but his scoring chances per sixty guys, it's basically like Kucherov, Tarasenko, and now Hall. <laughs> That's yeah, it's pretty short company, um, and that type of pace was a lot more helpful early in the season to the Devils, for better or worse. Look, they're going to give—they give up a ton of shots. They give up shots all over the place. Um, I think at last count, it was like 35 plus shots a game per 60 um, over the last 15 games. But it's almost okay because it's working for for the Devils. Um, Last year, what ha- tended to happen a lot is there would be a mistake or two. The Devils would get down on themselves. They would try to shore up things so much on defense that they wound up just making mistakes anyway. Um, this year, there really is a truly no-quit attitude. Um, some argued last year through this time frame, actually, guys, that the Devils were shooting more. They were doing more of the things. But the difference is this year they're doing it more with pace and speed. And, I mean, the results speak for themselves. They're averaging – I still can't believe this. They're averaging over three goals a game still, uh, by my math, almost 3.3. And, yeah, there's obviously you, you look at some of the teams in the division, and basically New Jersey at this point is averaging more goals scored per game than the New York Rangers, which – I would have never said at the beginning of the year, and quite a bit more than the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are their own story in themselves. Yes, we were just talking about that. I wanted to, real quick before I throw you over to Chris, um, what do you attribute that new attitude to in the room? Um, Are we looking at at coaching? Are we looking at looking at leadership in the in the room and on the ice from from within the group? Um, What what do you attribute that? uh, Because that's a very hard culture to change in, in in a in a group of guys once, and we've all seen it, um, things are going along good, and then one or two goals go against you. That And look at Colorado last year is a, is a great example and how they've been able to change that, that culture of, oh, here we go again. 
Um, and they got in a tailspin last year and couldn't get by that. What do you attribute that change in attitude to? Because that's very important. I think the biggest thing is the is the leadership in the locker room. Uh, that, that's been vastly different compared to last year. And there's, and there's a youthful dynamic to this team. I mean, this is one of the younger teams in the league now. Um, and that wasn't the case, say, 2013, 2014, uh, in the last year of Lou Lamarello, where literally it was – Lamarello's way or no way. And right. you've got these older and older players that just weren't producing. Now you have these younger guys that want um, want a bigger piece of the leadership pie. And the fact that they're they're challenging for not only positions, but they're challenging for leadership has created this attitude of, hey, you know what? That 4-1 deficit isn't so big anymore. Um, you know, we've seen it a few, to- few times this year where they've come back. The Ottawa game is the one that everybody points to where they were down 4-2 in the third period and looked dead in the water, and all of a sudden this this team just came roaring back. And, yeah, I mean, they have, you know, they have their growing pains, but, you know, you have guys like Brian Boyle in the locker room. You have the Zayvacs, the Henriques. You have Andy Green. You have a lot of good leadership, but now you have these younger guys like the, you know, you have Wood, Hissier, uh, even guys like Gibbons and Coleman to a lesser extent who have been through the AHL wars that are hungry, that are pushing the top six guys. And it just creates a healthy level of competition that the Devils haven't seen in, in quite a long time. Hey, Chris. Chris here. Uh, so tell us, what have you seen from uh, the number one overall pick, Nico Herschler, and Probably the the number by far the number one uh, college free agent from the summer, Will Butcher, in terms of so far this season, and how does the big picture look for them? You know what? I think the biggest thing with his year, and and, and people talked about this early. Um, you know, he was a little bit unlucky. Um, you know, shot wise, he was generating quite a few chances with Hall, obviously, and some pucks weren't going in, and people were getting a little bit worried and. I never worry about that stuff. Usually, usually when a guy is rolling along and he's getting his opportunities, you, you tend to just kind of sweep it off to the side. They're going to eventually start scoring, and his year is a scorer um, as much as he is a playmaker. I know people in, in juniors kind of said, well, you know, he's more of this and more of that. You don't really know how a player is going to translate into the NHL sometimes until you actually get a good 15 to 20 games uh, in him. Uh, through through the league, or basically like a once-over through the league to see, you know, what he does. It's that second time around that you absolutely have a better idea. But right now, biggest thing with his year is this. He sees the ice well. He does not have his head down often. And you know what? Every so often, guys, he gets pissed off. I like that. I like that in a player. Yeah, I like a sure. player that is not afraid to sit there, he doesn't get down on himself to the point where you worry about him. He gets down on himself to the point where you know he's going to work on those aspects over the next coming weeks and months. And that's that's the big difference with him. And Will Butcher's kind of the same way. Uh, Butcher surprised me a little bit with his speed. Um, is, is he as fast as Scott Niedermeyer? No. No one is. Well, But... The the play, the, play the other, 
yeah, but he's pretty fast. The play uh, last night, actually, against Vancouver, where he basically, he deked Ben Hutton out of the skate, his shoe, his socks, and whatever else was on his feet, was something to watch. And you didn't see that in college with him all the time. You saw it every so often, but you, you kind of dismissed it off. That was an encouraging sign. And the fact that it happened, say, 22 games into the season is a great sign for, for these guys going forward. Uh, they're going to hit a wall at some point. Uh, his year did a little bit, and Butcher kind of hit one around like game 12 to 16 or so. They're going to hit bigger ones eventually, but they're going to be just fine. Um, yeah, I, I won't I won't say that the Devils won the, you know, won the draft tech debate and they didn't win the, uh, you know, Kerfoot for uh, Butcher, quote-unquote, trade, if, if you will. Uh, but early on, if you're a New Jersey fan, you have to like the returns. You know, Chris, if in September during training camp, even if I ask the diehard of diehard hockey fans and said, unless their name was like Russ Cohen or Zach Devine and said, okay, what do you expect from Jesper Bratt and Brian Gibbons this year? They'll be like, who? And yet, you know, Bratt, uh, six-round pick in 2016, six goals, 14 points. And Brian Gibbons, who I think had played about 50 or some odd games in the NHL uh, and hadn't scored a goal in the NHL in uh, almost four years, has 10 goals and 14 points. How surprised are you from what these guys have done so far? Gibbons is an absolute shock. Uh, I, I saw I saw him play before, um, you know, and, and quite a bit too, um, you know, through obviously through the Pittsburgh organization, and, and people forget that when he played for Pittsburgh, guys, he actually was not half bad. He saw he saw next to no power play time. Um, he didn't necessarily shoot the puck a ton. I mean that was that was one of the kind of the calling cards with with um, Gibbons early on in, in his career, he'd average right around about a shot a game, which is not optimal normally for obvious reasons. Um, you know, he didn't do this well. He didn't do that particularly well. But the one thing that he always did well was he battled. And he battled a lot. Um, and, you know, he was a good penalty killer. And he kind of, ba- you know, he bounced. Look, he bounced around a good bit in in the minors for three seasons, and that that you know you would think, oh well, maybe that was it for him. And, and this year in training camp, it just every time you looked up, Gibbons was making a big block. Gibbons was making a big play. Gibbons found a way to set up somebody, um, and so far it's working, um, and it's working unbelievably well. You know, he's averaging now, actually, the funny part is he's averaging almost a shot and a half a game, which is way beyond what his career numbers are. Uh, but to be fair, too, his ice time has gone up. He's averaging right about 15 minutes a night now. So he's basically getting what you would call borderline top six minutes, guys. Um, are there concerns? Sure. His possession metrics are okay. His face-off, he never wins face off. He just doesn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's usually right around forty percent, and it's been that way even through you know parts of the minors and 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 such. So, um, 
you know, he's been he's been interesting. Look, is he going to continue to shoot at thirty three percent? No, that that certainly is not going to happen. Um, but could he maintain around fifteen or twenty? It's very possible. People forget through a half season in Pittsburgh, he did maintain like right around a seventeen to eighteen percent shooting percentage. So it would not be a shock. Um, now, as for Brat. Brad has been a fun player to look at uh, pretty much since he was drafted. Uh, he went way too late. And I look, and the reason's obvious. He's five foot nine. He's not five ten. Everybody lists him as about five ten. He's about five eight and a half to five nine generously. Um, the only reason why I know this is I've stood next to him and I'm right about his height and I'm five eight, so <laughs> I can I can attest to that uh, at at the very least. Was he wearing skates? Now, uh, on skates, he's about on skates. Honestly, he's about five ten and a half. So, there yeah, you go. yeah, you add the typical two and a half to three inches. Um, you know, Brass a, a little bit of a different animal. Same kind of the mold of Gibbons, though. He's a good penalty killer. Can block block a good. He can block a lot of shots. Actually, what he does better than most guys is not so much blocking the shot, but altering the direction of the shot so he doesn't screen his goalie as often. That was one of the things that Devils players as a whole last year from about game 25 on did not do well. They constantly screened whoever was in net. And believe me, that caused a lot of losses last year. And that's not happening as much this year. Um, Obviously, Brad has six goals on 38 shots, so he's come down a little bit from that ridiculous pace early in the season where I think he was shooting at 40%. I don't think that was going to ever be something that was a a reality, but he's playing just about 16 minutes a night. And, you know, he's playing on that top line. And like I said, like I said to a lot of people, it's like for, for fantasy purposes, Oh, well, Brat's on the first line. So he's going to produce a lot. And I'm like, relax. He'll get his points, but don't expect them to have three, four shots a night. That's just not, that's not his style. Um, he's the type, he's the type of player, um, trying to think of the best comparison, um, maybe about Zach Hyman level when the, when the Hyman Matthews Marner line was going really well last year, where, where Hyman and, and Brat as well would create the space that was needed sure. for, you know, players to make their plays. And that's the biggest thing with the top line in Jersey right now, if it's, God willing, if it sticks like this, uh, Brat creates a lot of space and he's a pest to deal with. I mean, again, 175 soaking wet plays like Claude Lemieux. I mean, he really is annoying to play against, um, but not as not as say dirty as Claude Lemieux. Just more subtle about it, and the the points are just a bonus, honestly, in New Jersey. And, a lot of these players producing is why the Devils are where they are. We're talking with Chris Wassel on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, as always. And you did mention the shots against uh, this team. They are sitting 28th in the league with 34.2 shots against. And that's got to that's got to bring us uh, in between the pipes. There, look at Corey Schneider and and, and goals allowed against. The stat is up by almost half of from historically. You're looking at about a 2.2 as being a very, you know, solid goals against per game for a goalie. And there's a lot of goalies that you expect to be around that number. 
uh, when the season starts. And Schneider's sitting at around 2.76. His save percentage is still up around 9.18, which is still, you know, you kind of look at 9.20 as as the benchmark of where you want to be. Um, is is the goals against a product of of the shots against and and Corey is is Schneider still playing at that elite level? And are we just seeing that the league is is taking about a half a goal per game leap based on goalie pads and and the way the NHL wants the game to go? Yeah, right now you have to look at this and go, okay, well, the normal league average save percentage is about nine fourteen to nine fifteen from, from year from year to year, at least the last okay. last couple seasons. Right so now, save percentage moment, is still solid. The league average save, yeah, the league average save percentage is just nine oh seven right now. Shots are up, right. way up as well. Shots are up by way depending up. on you know conference about three to four shots a game. It makes a huge difference. That's true. Yes, you're seeing a you're seeing a lot of teams giving up more than 30 shots a game, which you didn't last year. And you combine the two, and it's like, okay, well, if I do the math and I, I take my multiple, that's right about 4,500 to a half a goal a game more uh, than than last year. Um, right. So far, his goal saved above average is still solid. It's in the plus range, which is which is important. It's, well, let's face it, need it. Um, is he facing a lot of shots? Absolutely. Um, I had a good laugh doing the math. Right now, he's he's facing. It's funny. Snyder's facing exactly 33 shots a game. I think Kincaid's facing almost 36. It's kind of weird how it's worked. Um, but, right, right. Yeah, right about. It's right at 33 right now. Um, you know, has it been tougher, Snyder, at times? Sure. Yes. Look, the Devils have a tendency to give way too many penalties. They're well over a penalty over the league average per game. Part of that is because of, yes, they're a young team and they're going to take penalties. Part of it, I hate to say it because I saw it last night firsthand, is because the officials in this league need glasses or a better one. One of them. Combination of both. I saw Miles Wood get clocked last night upside the head. I see the blood coming down from his nose. He's right in front of the referee as it's happening, and the ref just looks like, duh. It's like, oh, boy, here we go again. Because, look, last year this happened with Dajak. Two years before it was with Henry. All Vancouver games in New Jersey. <laughs> it's just like, oh, come on. And then three, diff- three different re- sets of refs, guys, so you couldn't just say it was one ref. Three different sets, so. Um, it, it, it's just one of those things. But with Snyder, at least, you know, some of the numbers I look at, the quality save per, you know, the quality start percentage is still up. Um, last year it was way down. I mean, yeah, he had an awful year last year. I mean, you look at the two years before, his quality start percentage was above 60. Last year it was 46. Um, I mean, there's just numbers last year where it got so bad that, you could count on the Devils giving up three goals or more like clockwork. And this year, at least, it's a little bit less. I mean, could this happen at any time, say, if the Devils regress in some way? Sure, it absolutely could. Uh, but right now, Snyder has found a way to keep 
keep the team in games. He's been a little more square to the shooter. Um, his old goalie coach from Vancouver is back. Ro- Ro- I-, I used to call him Roly the goalie. Uh, but then some guy named Colzig, you know, because it's Oli the goalie for him, got a little angry right, right. about that the one, one night on Twitter. And I wish I was kidding. Uh, but, you know, having his old goalie coach from Vancouver back has absolutely helped. Um, the defense isn't the most optimal, optimal in New Jersey. It just isn't. It's a work in progress. It's a young defense. Aside from Andy Green, uh, even Damon Severson is going through the growing pains, even at this juncture. Um, he was recently scratched, actually, uh, for, for poor play. So, um, yeah, people have to understand, Snyder Snyder's going to be okay. It, it's not, you know, is it going to be at a Vesna level? It's kind of tough for the young team, but he's one of the main reasons why they are where they are right now. Well, to to your point, and and I, I I agree. I think everything shots against goals per game, everything is is ticked up at about a half a goal level. There's only four teams in the National Hockey League right now giving up less than 30 shots in a game. Um, Sharks, Kings, Stars, and Senators all, all under 30 shots a game, and then the Knights are sitting in fifth place at 30.2 shots allowed per game. Which I will I will say for the Golden Knights in an expansion. Um, not what was expected out of that group of guys. Um, so yeah, t- tough. I think all around when you look when you're running down goalie stats and and you're looking at you know teams with winning records and positive goal differentials and their goalies are still sitting at around two point six, two point seven goals against per game. It, it it's definitely. I think the league sent the message in the preseason on what we were going to be calling for slashing and and. And it's given the, the forwards a little bit more room and freedom to create offensively. And, and after downsizing the goalie pass last year, you, you see where the, the league wants to go. But I think Schneider, Schneider will be good enough. I don't think if, – if the Devils run into a hiccup in the road, I don't think Schneider is going to be the problem. He's going to be good enough. Let me throw this back over to Chris. Uh, he's got one more before we got to let you go. Chris, are you... oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, sir. So, Chris, last one from uh, last one from me. I, obviously, I don't think I'm going on a limb here. Before the season started, most people felt the Metro was the best division in hockey. I, I think through the quarter poll, that's that's been shown. Uh, outside of the Devils, uh, if you were to buy, be a buyer on a team or two, who would in the Metro? Who would it be? And if you were a seller. Uh, for a team or two, who would it be? <sighs> That's where it always gets fun. Um, the team that I'm going to always buy, and I think it's just a matter, they just need to get things together a little bit more, it's Columbus. I, I know I know people I know people get on John Tortorella a little bit, um, and, and for good reason. Uh, just ask Brandon Zod. I don't think he's going to be sending Tortorella any Christmas cards ever. Um but Tortorella does Milano. get the most out of yeah, that too. Uh, but Tortorella does get a lot out of his players, and it does not hurt to have Sergei Bobrovsky in that. Bobrovsky is just a beast. Um, he just finds way to, ways to make saves, keep his team in games, and it doesn't hurt that you know Columbus has found a way to make you know Panarin work with them. He's on he's on the second line right now. 
Um, Cam Atkinson is starting to heat up. He had really slumped in the early part of the year, uh, battled through an, through an injury that kept him out for a little bit, little while. Um, they have the, they have a pretty complete defense. Uh, one, one of the better when you can healthy scratch David Savard for a couple games, you have some depth on defense. That's that's a pretty solid sign there. Um, they are built for this division, at least in the regular season. Postseason, obviously, it's a work in progress for them. It hasn't gone well. Uh, we saw it last year against against Pittsburgh, where they just got steamrolled. Um, but for the regular season, they are built very well to battle the hardest that this division has to offer. And there's quite a bit. I mean, the Islanders would be a would be a buy here if they could just get their goaltending more consistently together. Um, they're they're another see, dangerous I, team. I think you're going to see Grice. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think you're going to see Grice kind of take over that number one role now. Yeah, somebody somebody absolutely has to, um, and they have to have the cohesion stick with. They they give up a ton of chances. Uh, where it gets fun. Uh, the team that I probably would sell, and uh, God, I think down the turnpike they're going to get really angry at this, and Russ might too. Um, is the Philadelphia Flyers, unfortunately. Um, and it's not, it's not to pick on a team when they're down. They've lost, they, obviously, they've lost seven straight. They lost back-to-back games in overtime to the Islanders of all teams. Um, but there's just a lot of concern there. With te- it, it, still, it still comes down to team defense and getting consistent goaltending out of Philadelphia. God, I've been saying this since I was a kid with, with Philadelphia. Um, other than the Hextall years and one basically one brief run, you know, here and there, uh, the Flyers seem to have the same problem: team defense and consistent goaltending, and it's killing them. This year, it's actually more their depth. Uh, lines two through four guys have been horrendous for them. I mean, you look; yeah. Wayne Simmons is not having the season that he's having. You know, Nolan Patrick got off to a rough start, then had the concussion now has looked better in the last couple games. Maybe he he can be something of a carrier for for this team. He has the skill. There's no question about it. It's the reason why you know, he's picked number two by Philadelphia. But they have to get depth scoring from somewhere. They must. Um, I, there's still a part of me that thinks trading Braden Chen was a humongous mistake for them. And, and they're going to pay for it. Yeah, it's not even just that he's having a good year. It's more Shen could go play anywhere up and down that lineup. Now, defensively, was Shen really all that good? No. But offensively, he could produce, and he could produce on any line. Um, and this year now, now he's combined the five-on-five production with the power play production. It's just frightening to, to watch. Um, but Philadelphia needs that – kind of spark plug and it might just be Patrick eventually it, it really might um, but can they you know is this a lost year it's it's getting close and the other team obviously is Carolina um, Carolina's just cursed goaltending wise I, I said everybody asked me at the beginning of the year is Scott Darling going to be a breakout goaltender for them and I said no <laughs> it's like no and the and the reason is Carolina is one of those teams they limit chances ridiculously. They limit sh- shots allowed normally. But 
they just have incredibly bad luck both ways when it comes offensively at times and then defensively at times. And those breakdowns are usually the difference between making and not making the playoffs, guys. Well, real quick, before I finish, uh, more finish up with you, I'd be amiss if I didn't ask you being in this tri-state area. I, I, I don't have a great feel in the Rangers. I'm not as Russ Cohen like to say. That's without my blue and orange sunglasses on. Uh, there's a lot of things. There's a number of things I like about the Rangers. There's a number of things that I'd be really worried about. Where do you fall on the Rangers? You know what? Kind of in the middle. I think they'll. Yeah. I think they'll be okay ultimately. Um, it's going to be a battle for a little while for the playoffs. I don't just because right now they're on a hot streak. I don't think that means that they're going to continue on this necessarily. They're going to have another one, at least one or two mini meltdowns through the season. And the only reason why I say that is because, look, last night they played a Detroit team that by all rights they should have blown out. They they should have blown them out. They should have blown them right out the building. And they got a couple lucky breaks in the third period and won in overtime. And that shouldn't happen. Um, you know, Detroit's not a, not a great team. They're not a bad team. Right. They're kind of like it's just they're literally like right straight down the middle, just 500. A team like the Rangers, who I think is is the type of team that's a 95 to 100 point team uh, on paper, should not be having that much trouble with with teams like Detroit, and they have all year. Um, you know, the Carolina win was kind of a fluke. Let's be honest. You know, when a guy flicks huh. a puck from 90 feet and it goes in, you know that's kind of your night. They've played but, a ton of home games so far this year, too. I think the second half of the year, they're on the road a, a lot. A lot. And, and that's going to be humongous for them. If they, if they can somehow – and it's odd because normally, remember, this is a team, typically the Rangers, that are better on the road over the last three seasons. You know, usually they're struggling around 500 at home. At, at, this, at this point of the year, guys, like right around December 1st or so, Right now they're nine four and two at home. That's not bad. I mean, for them that's wow, really they play, good. They, wow, they played they fifteen. Play, I didn't realize they played fifteen home yeah. games already. Yeah, they're and gonna, they have the next have the next a, two at home too. And the next two at home, they are going to have a very nasty Christmas in January. That will be that that'll be the key to whether the Rangers make the playoffs comfortably or whether they have to battle tooth and nail come March and April. And I do, I put, do think it's going to be a good test for them. To put that in perspective, just to show, and I promise I'll give you to Mark. Uh, to put that in perspective, uh, being the you know an Islanders guy uh, and writing about them, I know this. Uh, this by December ninth, the Islanders would have already played their 18th road game. So they've in the first two months of the season, they would almost have played half their road games. And the Rangers uh, sound like by then will probably be around 2021 20, home games already played half their home game. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good for the Islanders coming down that the way almost every year. Yeah. The, the Islanders are going to need that. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and the Islanders have, have already had to go through that trip where they went to Dallas. They went, you know, they did kind of that Midwest trip already. Yeah. Um, now they did California. Yeah. They, they've gone to they Nashville. California. They've gone to Dallas. 
They've been right. to St. Louis. They've, the they've, they've had they tough road games. Yeah, have they've they had a lot the, of. They, have they done the? They haven't done the Northwest Passage yet, have they? No, they haven't done the. Uh, yeah, they the haven't Northwest done that thing. one. The Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Um, that's a tough. Yeah, they haven't done that one. So, yeah, that's so probably the last. A, that's the last big one. That's the last big, yeah. That's the last big. But they've played a lot of tough road games. It's really out. Right, and and that's you know that's important. I mean, look, you know, a team team like the Rangers, um, you know, obviously, the, you know, they've given up a lot more goals than they usually do, and that seems to be characteristic of the entire league at this point. Um, you know, the the only team gonna, in that division gonna, that's kind of mm-hmm. they're gonna need Pavlik to be good during that stretch, too, and they, due to the schedule, they've been able to not play him a lot. Right, and they're going to have to at some point. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to mess up the rhythm of not not so much just Lundqvist, but you throw a cup, you throw a, you throw a three- or four-game losing streak in there, and you watch, and I hate to say this, but you watch Cranky Lundqvist come out. It's going to happen. Um, you For know, sure. Unfortunately, when when urgency goes up and you're getting into that you're getting to that age where it's like hey you know these are my last kicks at the can, um, you know I saw I saw, we saw look we saw it with Broder towards the end where it just got uglier and uglier and just kept hoping he would retire or go somewhere, and you hate to say it ever, um, you know because he's been such, he was so great for New Jersey, but you hope that never happens with a guy like well, even a guy like Lundqvist. Um, no matter what what team you're a fan of, it's something you don't want to see. Obviously, I don't want to see him ever win a Stanley Cup, but obviously, it's just, it's just one of those things. As, as that a goes without saying, Chris. Right. Yeah, wow. I have I have the Rangers missing you, the you don't want to see the the. the I I, I say right. I say that with love, course. by the way. Well, if you remember, Chris, uh, I had the Rangers but, missing the playoffs. I'm, I'm still not really oh, yes. on on that group right now. Yeah, it's it's still a bubble team. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're talking with Chris Wassell on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And real quick before we let you go, we're just about out of time today. Um, I want to get your take on your neck of the woods and, and what what's being said about the Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And your take – and and what what you know what the the scuttlebutt is in your neck of the woods is this are, are people thinking that finally going to accept that this team's for real and uh, that they are who they are? Um, just real quick, your your take on what the Golden Knights have been able to do this year? It, it's something else. It's kind of fascinating to watch how Vegas plays at home compared to how they play on the road. It's a real dichotomy of opposites. You would expect Vegas to play loose and free at home. And actually, it's not been the case all the time. Actually, they've been one of those teams that's been kind of a mid-event type of of franchise at home early on. And they've been a little more helter-skelter on the road, uh, which means tonight's Vegas-Arizona game should totally be like a 4-3 or 5-4 game, guys. I'm going with this. Uh, They've been a lot of fun to watch on the road. And, and sometimes for good and for they really have. But look, and the best part is, I love their top line. 
William Carlson has come into his own, and I thought I always thought he would. I just never expected it to be this fast and this this amplified. I mean, I can't I can't believe. Look, to be honest, I get Jonathan Marcheseau only because Marcheseau did this last year in Florida with one of the worst power yeah. plays in creation. Um, <laughs> Florida, Florida's pl- play design and everything else is more the reason why they – and other reasons, too, are where they, why they are where they are. But Marcheseau has a unique speed and acceleration that you see in few wingers, period, in this league. Um, it, it, it's fun to see him go from, like, zero to 60 and go – uh, and he's got, um, and, and you see that on the line too at Riley Smith. Uh, William Carlson can do that as well. They can fly up and down the ice, and they've caused an extreme amount of matchup problems for teams. Uh, my only concern going forward with Vegas, uh, again, they have they have a nicely stacked offense. I don't know what happens when they hit like a real bump in the road. They hit obviously a little one when they went on the road early in the season. That that's good. East Coast trip that's going to happen to everybody. Yeah, you guys didn't face us yet. Darn. Um, Especially with a fourth string goalie. Really. Well, that's what makes it more impressive. I mean, you know, yeah, Mark Andre Fleury he goes out. You you know, you have Subban. You have. uh, I'm going to say, you, you go down the line and you're getting down to like your third, fourth, and fifth string goaltender. And it's not like the numbers are spiraling out of control. I mean, it did for a little bit. And it's about the only reason why, that's the only reason why Vegas is allowing 64 goals right now through this point was about that four goal game stretch where they allow like 24 goals. I mean, correct. You know, they gave up a snowman and, you know, a couple other ugly games. But if you take you take those four or five games out, guys, I mean, that's basically a team only allowing two and a half goals a game. Damn, that's And good I think averaging close to four. I think averaging yeah, almost four and averaging, for yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean, right now, right now um, Vegas is averaging 3.67 at, uh, overall. There you go. You can't you can't ask more for a team that has not only managed to win fourteen games through through twenty one, but they haven't had a win in overtime. You know, they haven't had a win in a shootout, which is important. I mean that that could that that could loom large in the Pacific where they might be able look, this is a team that may be able to get into the playoffs. Realistically, this is something that has to be said. Because you're putting the points in the bank right now, um, and look at the rest of the Pacific Division. Um, They're on top, and they have two games in hand over the rest of the division. I know it's early to talk about games in hand, and you still have to win those games. Oh, absolutely. Um, But they're putting distance on a few of the teams that were expected. I mean, take. I was just talking with Chris. in our first segment, they, they're they're in a stretch right now of six games against the Pacific Division. The first one was the Stinker in Edmonton. They've won the next four. That's four straight yep. four-point games inner division that they've won, and they're on the road in Arizona tonight. If they can get that, that's five straight divisional wins, uh, pulling four-point games, 
back to back to back to back to back and doing it with your four string goalie. And now Subban did come in last night and, and they were able to limit the Sharks to three shots on the, in the third period. Um, so he didn't really see much rubber, but oddly enough, he makes three saves and gets the win because it was a tie game right when he comes in. So now Subban's 3-0 and on the year, oddly enough. But uh, when, you, when your minor league backup has played the majority of games for your franchise, that in, let's say franchise history, and you still manage to put yourself in first place in your division at Thanksgiving, uh, 78% of teams that are in the playoffs at Thanksgiving make the playoffs. So when you say it's something to be that has to be said is that this could be a playoff team, History and the numbers that, that they have been putting up uh, certainly back you up, Chris. Yeah, it, it's there, and and the number of home and road games have leveled. Uh, that's that's you know, that was something that people kind of back east were griping about. Oh, they played like eight of their you know first nine or ten games at home. Don't you know? Wait till they go on the road, and reality will hit it, hit and strike. Right, and right, right. Be all sorts of woe and everything else. I will say this though. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Vegas has handled a few things poorly, um, but thanks for taking John Merrill off our hands. We're inter- we're yep. eternally grateful. Um, okay, I'll give you that. Fire. Uh, I'll give you that. I, I know, I know, Vegas, I know, I know the Vegas guys have griped about that from almost minute one. And you, you, uh, you didn't Paul, leave them much of a list. You didn't leave much of a list there, though, Chris. I, I that's that's the thing. I mean. That, that's that's kind of kind of where it's at. There's not much. If you're a Vegas fan, there's really not much to complain about at all. It's kind of nice. I mean, you're you're in a you're in a division that's having an extremely down year right now. Um, you're eight games above 500. You're you're looking down. And you're going, hey, the Kings are slumping right now. You know, Calgary's basically a one one and a half line team. Um, you know, Vancouver is a one, arguably a one-line team, with with the city. You know, with the city kind of sort of playing some. You know, occasionally we'll show up support role. Um, right. San Jose struggles mightily at home. I mean, they can't score at all. I mean, San Jose is one of the weirdest teams there. I mean, Brent Burns has one goal. That's all. I know I yeah, can't thanks. do more goals than Brent Burns anymore. I'm kind of sad about that one. Uh, the Ducks <laughs> are so injured up front that there's no – I mean, they're getting their defense back, and it made little difference because, well, no Getzlaff, no Kessler. I mean, their top six is entirely Huge. exposed because those were the guys that kept their possession metrics in check. And without those two guys – I mean, I watched, I watched the last three or four games, it's like, I think Winnipeg had 38 shots or something like that yesterday. And it was funny to hear, um, you know, Eric Stevens, who is an excellent columnist and and beat writer uh, for Anaheim, say only 38 shots. When your own beat guys are basically beat guys and beat women are saying only 38 shots. Well, you're saying it's a gamer. Just to point, uh, prove your point there, Chris, uh, Gibson won a game within the last week against Florida at home, and he made 50 saves. Yeah, he's made 50 saves. He's faced, you know, he's faced well over 40 shots a game over the last four games. 
four starts. Well, 38 shots with an 11-shot improvement against the Golden Knights who dropped 49 shots on them. Yes, indeed. I mean, you know, only 38. uh, The sky's looking bright. (laughs) Yeah. So, So, no, it is a weird division. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the top six for Vegas against the top six of Anaheim that night. Six shots on goal were like 32 to 10. Right. Just between the top sixes of each team. Yikes. And that's what this team does. They they get the puck. They move it up the ice. Nate Schmidt and and Collingwood both uh, get get the puck in their own end, and it's out. It's You know, I'm watching the Kings play for so many years. Uh, When they get the puck on the half of Coach Sutter, it's an immediate turn back towards your own goal line to get the puck behind your own net. That was the system. And it's still, I mean – it, it's weird watching a, a, a defenseman on the half wall because I've been so conditioned to that Sutter brand of hockey that when a defenseman on the Knights gets the yeah. puck on the half wall and they turn up the ice with their head up looking for the first forward coming out of the zone and then they get that pass on the take more times than not, um, even if it's cross ice, they move the puck out of their own zone and through the neutral zone with such speed that it's hard to keep them from getting that puck in your zone. And that's that's what they do. That's how they've been so successful. That's why they're scoring so many goals per game. Is because it, it, it right. starts in their own end. And with Coach Gallant's philosophy of don't turn backwards when you get the puck, turn it forwards. And and I, I watch that just little trick of of the system, um, and being so ingrained into the Coach Sutter brand of hockey, where you're all, it, you're always going backwards at first blush. Um, where their breakouts have been so crisp and so quick. Um, I think I think that's a lot of, of why this team's been so successful today. Well, Chris, we we got to wrap it up. We're running out of time here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Real quick, why don't you let everybody know and how they can find your stuff, sir? All right, best way and easiest way, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisLawfelDFS. Uh, right for, obviously, a whole, a whole host of sites, including uh, Dodder Hockey, uh, Fan Vice, um, number fire, jeez, um, you know, you just you just name it. Sometimes uh, my NHL trade rumors. I'll be doing a lot of things over yeah. there with, with, with maybe some sports, we maybe got, some we trade rumors, sports, including uh, the maybe we some trade rumors with Russ Cohen. Golden Knights. Yeah, we we partnered with Chris, uh, Russ Cohen there, Chris. So you got you got to throw out the sportsology. Hey, I always have to throw out the sportsology with Russ. I mean, Russ, yeah, Russ, Russ is great. Is great uh, we go back and forth oh, quite a bit. And it's always always a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, thank you guys immensely for having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward absolutely. to sitting back in my, my recliner tonight, watching a little, 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 uh, God, it, you know, it's hard to believe, um, you know, 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, hockey there. Uh, tonight you know, right right it's an eight o'clock eastern start you know not the usual nine or so you guys all get a chance to uh watch the full game hey i i'm up regardless so <laughs> <laughs> there it's you go me, but it, it, it is a nice bonus but thanks again guys for having me on our well pleasure, chris we'll definitely pleasure. have we'll you back you on in uh yeah in the second half of the year for sure absolutely sounds very good guys all right thanks chris you're welcome. All right. Chris Wassel on a number of talk- topics we were able to squeeze yeah. in 
uh, with Chris this, this morning slash afternoon back east. And, and yeah, we do have a little matinee on the Golden Knights, Arizona. So <coughs> if you're back east listening, excuse me, <coughs> tune in and get a look at that Golden Knights hockey. Uh, I think you'll be surprised if you haven't really been able to see them. Um, at, at the brand of hockey that they do play, and and I want to get I want to get the road trip. Uh, I want to put a bow on that. Don't play good on the road thing. The team has wins against Dallas, against Ottawa, an overtime loss in Toronto. That was a great hockey game. Win wins in Vancouver. Uh, win in Anaheim. They they are a five and five team on the road now. Five five and one. No, and they're doing five. We've said it before. It, they're doing fine. People looked at that little that that road trip up east where we were trying to get used to playing in front of a, a four string goalie. And to Legacy's credit, he has played much better in the last week, uh, reeling off four straight wins. So the the camp play on the road, I wanna I wanna stick a fork in that because winning on the road in the National Hockey League is a hard thing to do, no matter what team you are and no matter who you are playing against. And and I think they're doing just fine on the road. We saw a couple losses in a row, and that kind of put a, a stereotype out there that they're – and obviously they have a, a fantastic home record where I think a lot of people may be getting the Vegas flu uh, their first time around. It's not, it's not a coincidence that one of the sponsors on the local broadcast is the drink never too hungover. Um, perhaps, uh, you know, if, if that is the case where they may be getting a little bit of Vegas flu coming in here, um, well – Vegas is certainly taking advantage of it, and and it's not their fault. People might be showing up after having a little bit of a good time. Um, that being said, well, again, they're just fine on the road. Yeah, and that, yeah, no, they're doing fine. I mean, uh, uh, again, if you can be a little bit above five hundred and have a strong road record, you're gonna do. You're gonna be good. Uh, again, big show again next week. Lionel Richardson of Spectrus Hockey will go through a whole host of topics. So tune in for that. Uh, again, you can find the show on Russ Cohen's Sportsology uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud page as well as uh, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. And, sir, another great show uh, in the books. Yes, sir. But let's not forget also if you guys want to find, follow our show on iTunes, our own SoundCloud page, Vegas Hockey Podcast, uh, SoundCloud forward slash Vegas Hockey Podcast. And also at our Blog Talk Radio link, all of our shows are are archived under Blog Talk Radio forward slash the Vegas Hockey Podcast. So if you want to subscribe, you, the only place to subscribe is at our iTunes page and in our Blog Talk Radio page. So show up there, leave us a comment. We really appreciate hearing from everybody. And Chris, once again, uh, another great guest pulled by you, and we're looking forward looking forward to next week. Final thoughts. Uh, that's it. Let's hope we can get road wins tonight for my two favorite teams, uh, the Knights and the Islanders. Knights and the Islanders, uh, if they go back-to-back, I might have to go down to the sportsbook and get a little Islanders-Knights parlay the next time they both play on the same evening, because we might be on to something there, sir. There we go. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, same bad time, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a, 1 p, 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, next Saturday at 11 o'clock. Tune in and join us. We look forward to seeing you then. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.